Welcome to the Star Love Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Beck, the Oracle in New Orleans, founder of Inner Makeup Astrology. To learn more about what I do, visit innermakeup.net. And I'm very happy to have my friend, Tracy Story, on the podcast today. We actually met in England at the Astrological Association Conference. Uh, and it, you know, we met under a very powerful Scorpio moon. Do you remember that, Tracy? I do. <laughs> so it was a, which, which was hitting my ascendant. So it was a very deep connection. But a little bit about Tracy. She's the founder of Elemental Resonance and has taught and hosted workshops in London, Brighton, Canada, Australia, Bali, Peru, and France. And Tracy's full-spectrum approach to sound and vibrational healing has spanned an eclectic 20 years. Myriad approaches, including Tamado, vibrational sound, color therapy, and Qigong lessons are the modes that she uses in her practice. As a lecturer and workshop leader, her skills stretch beyond the treatment room and include immersive group sound harmonizations and meditation classes. In July 2014, Tracy qualified as a Tamado practitioner, and she works through the work and research of Tamado founder Fabian Maman. Tracy's foundation in these musical art forms was established in the 90s, exploring the transformative power of dance culture as a pro DJ and producer. She traveled extensively throughout Europe and America as the UK's leading lady of breaks and then carved her niche in her own style of deep electronica and techno. This experience offered insights into the healing power of sound and technology, inspiring her to embrace sound and vibrational healing as a life calling by searching out new teachers, mentors, and training. So Tracy, it's great to have you on. <laughs> Hey, Dan. Thanks for inviting me. What a pleasure to be in this space with you. Yes. And let's get right into it. So obviously you have an extraordinary, extraordinary musical background and really something perhaps that gives you a lot of street cred is that you've had such a range of musical experiences being a DJ, which that is certainly a type of very passionate, you know, arousing type of music and then also now you're doing sound therapy which is much more meditative but how did you get into music on such a deep level what was your exposure to music uh as you were growing up yes yeah, interesting because i wonder whether um whether i fit into the astrological archetype of of my sign as, as you know what i do for my job um yeah. that's always an interesting one but um i would say my the music has always been the key theme in my life. I mean, when I was little, I used to listen to the radio and I had a little tape recorder and I would, I would hear my favorite song and I would, I'd record it with my little, with my little cassette recorder right up next to the speaker. And then I would pause it when it finished. And then when I had the next track that I liked, I would press record again. So I, I'd get, be really proud of myself making these little mixtapes when I was little. Um, just on my crappy cassette recorder. So you could say that I was a, a DJ from the get-go. You know, I was, mm. I didn't know. I didn't know what a DJ was, you know. Um, and then as I as I grew up, I was doing piano lessons. So my mum paid for me to have classical piano lessons, which was fantastic because then I could hear the music through my fingers. And I would, but I felt quite restricted with the classical music. It was beautiful, but I, it felt, like I wasn't in free flow, you know, but it was very important for me to learn that. And um, I didn't specifically grow up thinking I want to be a DJ. But when I was 18, I started going out to dance parties and I heard the DJs and I would stand on the dance floor and think, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. And I think that was something when I knew that, oh, I can maybe have a career in, in music. And I moved to London at the age of 21. And from that point, I started working in the in the dance music industry for record labels and then I started um, doing little shows on internet radio. We used to have what was called internet radio cafes back then and I would just go along and play some records and then it started from there really mm. and then it just took off and I started to travel around the world as a as a DJ so I you could say my wave came in and luckily I was ready to catch it. Mm. 
So, you know, going back to, you know, th that's really a cool story. You, you know, you were, you were starting to tape, you know, songs that you heard on the radio and, yeah. you know, that, I mean, that's really, yeah, that is DJing. But what type of music did you like on the radio? And then, you know, I know you said classical music you felt was restricted, restrictive, but yeah. were there any classical pieces that you really liked and what type of music did you like that was coming through the radio? Well, the stuff that was coming through the radio was obviously a bit restricted. It was just the radio, so it was like pop music. Mm -hmm. I would listen to everything from like, you know, Duran Duran, Standard Ballet and Ultravox and all these things, you know, that were just um, uh, Bananarama, whatever was, what you know, whatever was on the radio. But we did have some great tunes in the 80s, so mm -hmm. it was very much 80s pop that I was listening to. Um mm -hmm. And then when it comes to classical, um, I played a lot of Beethoven. Um, mm. But actually, later on down the line, I think Mozart. Um, Mozart is obviously a, a, a great composer. So I, I used to play between um, Mozart and Beethoven. Wonderful. You know, that's interesting because I have a classical music background and Beethoven and Mozart are so different. I mean, especially when you think of the late works of Beethoven going into these other very otherworldly realms. And Mozart started to do that with some of his later pieces. But Mozart tends to be much more structured. And, you know, he was an opera composer. So a lot of kind of, you know, buoyance, if you will, maybe. Um, and Mozart, but but you so you ended up sort of liking Mozart. Do you have any insight to why you may have liked Mozart? So the question is, do I have any insight in why I started to to like Mozart? I think you know there is there's a lot of as I later on discovered in my sound therapy journey is there was a lot of healing going on in the music. Mm. Um, what's amazing about music is the harmonics and the overtones and. Mm space between the notes so actually it's not the notes that you're actually pressing but right. it's actually what's happening in between so then I realized the magic of actual classical composition mm. and it, these guys were, were incredible artists creating sculptures and art pieces through sound mm. so I I didn't realize that at the time and then as I got older I realized what was actually going on with the textures of the sound mm. So, yeah. You know, it's interesting, just so people can understand, I mean, sure, I'm sure a lot of people out there understand what that is, but, you know, in um, the acoustics of sound, if you play one pitch, what Tracy's saying is that there is a series of overtones that actually ring along with that pitch. So it's not, you, you kind of think you're only hearing one pitch, but there's a lot more of a resonance that's occurring. So perhaps what you're, it seems like what you're saying is, you know, those early pieces, especially Mozart, who writes with such kind of pristine clarity, um, you know, Beethoven gets extraordinarily complex and goes into these other worlds, especially his, his later pieces. But Mozart's very pristine um, and kind of buoyant and operatic. So you can kind of, you know, hear those overtones as they, you know, related to kind of one pitch and like the purity of certain harmonies that, you know, would you say, and that's what was kind of inspiring you maybe from an early age to now get where you are doing this kind of sound therapy. That's it. I kind of went full circle. So I started yeah. with um, the acoustic music playing the piano, you know, the piano, mm -hmm. amazing instrument. I'm so glad I did it. And mm -hmm. then I discovered electronic music I kind of turned my back on it I'm like oh I'm not interested in that I'm just mm -hmm. interested in electronica but what I found and I, I certainly discovered this much more deeply when I was doing my training was that the harmonic and the overtones which is just described beautifully these in, invisible um, sounds that continue to play even when the music stops mm. so this is this is where the magic occurs. So, when you get into electronic music, you don't you're not having these harmonics and tones. It's, it's a digital sound. Mm. So if you play the sound on a piano, you will continue to hear it vibrating. Mm -hmm. You'll feel the vibrations even though you don't hear the note anymore. So mm -hmm. it's a vibrational sound, and this is what the great composers we're working with mm -hmm. however you do not have that in electronica because the sound mm -hmm. 
and it will be like a dead sound. So mm. I've come full circle now, realizing the importance and the power of acoustic over electronic music. You know, I wonder if you have any insight into this, because, you know, having a background in classical music myself, you study um, music that's pre Baroque or pre what we call tonal music based off of, okay, you've one pitch and then the chords, especially as some theorists analyze, go beyond. Um, it's basically the overtones that um, arise from those singular pitches and it's called tonal music. So you have one tone and kind of the piece is essentially based off of that. But then pre what was happening really around the early Baroque, late Renaissance, before that you had all this beautiful you know, just when you think of, say, the Pythagorean proportions and, you know, much more modal music, it was really based off of those pure harmonies. And then at one point there was um, something called the tritone, which was basically forbidden. But then tonal music is really based off of most of the music we hear nowadays is based entirely off of the idea of harmony, beautiful kind of harmonies that you're talking about, and then tension and then resolution. So I think actually quite beautifully, maybe in your life, that seems to have happened. You had, you know, these beautiful, you know, essential, um, you know, the harmonies that you learn through classical music. But then maybe there was some sort of tension that drew you to the um, the ecstasies, if you will, of electronic and dance music. And now you've come back to harmony. Yes. <laughs> yeah, nicely put, actually. And it's interesting that you bring the the dear Pythagoras into the conversation because, you know, he was very much behind harmony of the spheres mm-hmm. and this celestial music that that is occurring all the time. You know, you could say that the dance of the planets, the, 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 the chord between Saturn and Jupiter or Venus and Mars is, mm-hmm. is much a harmonic and that we are in this celestial atmosphere all the time and just how we have the planets that you know are in um, good aspects i.e harmonious we have the planets that are are in a more let's say conflicting or challenging uh, creating a dissonance Mm. so start to look at the astrological chart in this harmonic way it helps us to understand that Sometimes we have wonderful harmonious scenarios in our lives and in the chart and in life, but where we have the challenges, the the things that test us, the things that teach us, this is where the transformation occurs. Because in order for us to to reach the um, transmutation of that, we have to have that that relationship that is called dissonance. and in the it's in the dissonance that the, the biggest transformations take place. So, um, and I really believe that um, Pythagoras is is he's coming into my life a lot more. And um, I'm going to play a track a little bit later on in the, in the podcast mm-hmm. um, that uses the instrument that Pythagoras talked about, mm. the instrument that Pythagoras with his amazing. Um, uh, mathematical mind mu- musical mathematical sacred geometrical mind uh, devised the and it's called the monochord and the reason why the monochord is so um healing and so powerful is because it uses a collection of strings that are all in the same note um but when you play it it creates layers and layers of overtones and harmonics mm. so, he actually created an instrument that had um, kind of taps into this harmony of the spheres and it mm. creates this expansion and this because you get lost in, in those thick layers. So we'll be able to hear something that is Pythi- Pythagorean um, invented. And I believe that this is very key um, at the moment in uh, you know, in certainly in the vibrational world of sound, how we can use certain frequencies to help help us deal with the dissonance of life. You know, this is amazing. I want, I wonder if you, would you be able to just play it now? Cause that was so beautiful the way you just put that. And then just so people can, you know, we just had an exposition to use a musical term of what it is, a theme, and then maybe you could play it now, but before you could, would it be possible to get that ready to play right now? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So just one question before you do that. So you t- we talked about, you know, tension, resolution or harmony and discord, you know, whatnot. Um, 
is there a way that you use tension and sound or is that just a given that people, as far as we're talking practically, they're going to be coming in with tension in their lives. And then, as you say, that tension creates the ability to transmute into harmony. But do, do you, is, are there any types of sound that you use that are tense and that you bring people through harmony, tension, harmony, or is it just, okay, you know, people have tension and then they're coming to me, so I'm here to create harmony for them. Mm. Well, there's two, there's, well, there's several answers to that. I'll, I'll just speak about um, one of them to begin with. Firstly, certain sounds are harmonious to some people and uh, dissonant to others. Mm. So, for example, I use a little, beautiful little bell. Um, it's a small bell. It works around the head. It clears the area around the top of the head. Mm-hmm. And people uh, adore it. And it's like soothing. They feel like they're in a dreamlike state. They were like, oh, I could have listened to that forever. And then someone else said, oh, what was that sound you played? It felt like pins and needles going in the top of my head. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so here we have the same sound, but someone is is in harmony with it and another person is finding it in a dissonant uh, frequency for them. So it's kind of difficult to answer. Um, The sound is the same. It's just Mm. interpretation of it. Mm. Okay. (coughs) Sorry. Okay. So you have the Pythagorean instrument ready. Do you have the bell as well? Do I have the bell? I do have a track that has got the bell in it. Yes. Okay. Do you want to do? Um, do you want to do a little bit? Just hey, this is the Pythagorean instrument I'm using now, and then do a little bit of that, and then do the bell. And people who are listening, really do this now. Wherever you're listening from, you know, if you're listening on the train in a car, wherever, because this is, you know, it's a podcast. You can be listening. You're listening to this. Um, so, you know, really take this moment to just reconnect with yourself and whether, you know, it gives you some harmony or does provoke something. And then you can, you know, look into that, what that tension might be revealing to you and then how to harmonize it. But go ahead. Why don't you, whatever you want to start with first, either the bell or the Pythagorean stuff that you're doing. Yeah. So I'm going to start with the Pythagorean, the monochord it's called, um, the instrument that's mainly used in this. And I'm very privileged to this particular monochord is a it's it's almost like a grand the grand piano of monochords it's a very old one and uh it's got a very deep resonant sound this track is called cadmium vert and it's from my meditation album and it works on the heart it's it's working in the key of d which is the notes that i use so when you listen to this i just invite you to really feel some see what's going on in your heart area so and really feel the sound and allow the sound to penetrate your physical and your energetic body so i'm just going to start the track now So you can visualize the color green as well, if you wish, in the heart area. And just feel the heart expanding with loving vibrations. hear the overtones and the harmonics in there so that's a little insight into the sound of the chord yes that's wonderful so let's uh just so people can so your website that people can go to elementalresonance.com or what is the website yeah that's exactly it www.elementalresonance.com all okay and then also there, you know, we're going to cover a lot in this interview, but there's so much more. And then you also have a YouTube page where people can actually get some of these sounds and start doing some exercises for themselves. And, you know, you have a lot of offerings 
yeah. as well that you know that people can access but what's the youtube page so the youtube um do you know what i'll send that to you okay so you've got um so you can maybe put that in the link with the podcast perhaps okay Okay. But yeah. if people, if they just want to Google it, what would they Google oh, or yeah. on YouTube, they could, um, you know, just get, go on YouTube and it, would they Google Elemental Resonance mm-hmm. YouTube? Yeah, that's it. Okay. And then the other thing we should mention too, is actually you just had an album come out late last year. So people can get much more, um, you know, uh, these sounds, you know, they can have in their, in an album from you. So what what um what's the title of the album? Yes, yeah, so the um so it's under my name Tracy Story as the artist and the album name is called Elemental Resonance. Um I'm because I'm trying to bring awareness to the resonating with the elements. So this is why I call the album Elemental Resonance and you can have you can find it on YouTube um on iTunes and Spotify and a number of online um like Deezer different types of and music spaces online um or you can also get it on my website as well and I can send it to you so and I designed it because not everybody can come along to these group sessions Mm -hmm. you know we are separated by by land we're separated by the seas and even more separated now with everything that's going on in the world so it was my way of being able to make an offering where people can listen in the comfort of their own home Mm -hmm. they can meditate with the version with the affirmations or they can meditate with just the sounds. And as we've been talking about the harmonics and the overtones, these tracks are all acoustic acoustic instruments. So they're all high vibrational. So just by listening to it, and hopefully you had a little taster of it just then with Cadmium Vert, you can feel the, the vibration of the track. It doesn't feel flat. Mm. It, it's meant to feel like it is vibrational because it is and this is why the album is is quite unique in that sense because it's built um, and designed with the harmonics and the overtones recorded from the acoustics to mm. make them okay so you mentioned working with the elements w- what does that mean uh working with elements and also how th- you talk about how the elements relate to the organs could you explain a little bit about that yeah, absolutely. And um, the reason why I work with the elements is because, again, with the musical theme, you're an instrument, I'm an instrument, the people mm. to the podcast are all instruments as well. Um, and we each have our own unique note. Um, we recognize each other because of the sound of one another's voice. You know, we can tell when when brothers speaking or sisters speaking or partners speaking or mothers speaking because of their vibration and frequency so I would do a practice called qigong I'm a qigong instructor and this was part of my training to become a vibrational sound practitioner and the reason being is because if we are an instrument then we need to be in tune we need to be in harmony as best we possibly can and how do we get into harmony how do we get into tune um, well it's to do with our physical body it's to do with our actual organs um, on the physical level it's to do with our bladder and our kidney it's to do with our gallbladder and liver our stomach our spleen our lungs our large intestines and each of those organs are associated with um, an element so this comes from tcm traditional chinese medicine so for example the heart and the small intestine are connected to the fire element the lung and the large intestine are connected to the air element air stroke metal the bladder and the kidney is water the gallbladder and the liver is wood there's a whole communication going on between the organs in the body and it's called the five element theory so fire earth air water and wood are all connected so it's important for us as physical beings as well as energetic beings to be aware that sometimes these are in balance and sometimes they're out of balance Mm. and it's very similar to astrology you know how somebody's chart can have a ton of fire Mm. um, a lot of earth and no air um, we are we are usually dominant in certain areas. That's just natural, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually interesting with astrology because I've been starting to look into a little bit in some of the ancient stuff with 
Hellenistic and even Vedic, that it does get into certain symmetrical points, uh, I think called Antitia, that it talks about certain planets seeing or hearing each other. So it does get, I don't think we use that too much in modern astrology um, as far as sound is concerned, but that's, I think that's really something that we could all, you know, learn more about and use as far as sound is concerned. I mean, certainly elementally, I think we all accept, okay, if, you know, like take for example, I have a lot of fire and air in my chart. Okay. So, you know, everybody can tell I'm a communicator. I think a lot, um, but there's um, definitely a need for some water and earth to blend that out. Now, the interesting thing too is um, my sister does a little bit of feng shui. Do you ever get into feng shui at all, or you know, maybe go into people's homes or make sure in a space itself that I mean, it's pretty incredible to think as far as our bodies, the sounds that occur around us, and then potentially that being reflected in physical reality as far as you know, our own physical spaces we live in. Do you ever look at that at all or? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm very much, I'm, I love feng shui. I think it's a fantastic um, modality. Um, I'm not qualified in it, but I, I do, I can tell energetically when things are in balance and out of balance. Um, I've, I've, I like to use crystals sometimes to help earth certain places and that's a um a format that i like to use but definitely with feng shui again depending on the type of person you are if you need to live by the mountain or do you mm. need by the water mm-hmm. and do you need to live by the trees mm-hmm. i think all of us integ and have the integrity to know what we're missing but sometimes again being out of tune we don't realize and then we get to a point of stress in the body and then we know we need to go to walk by the water or we need to go and swim in the sea or we need to go and hang out under a tree and meditate so working with the elements I think allows us to get back into our, our own natural harmonic resonance mm. to what it is that we need to help balance ourselves so I think you're absolutely right that our environment really does need to reflect that. Otherwise, it can cause us to be um, in a state of stress. Mm-hmm. Then this this perpetuates the, the dissonance in our life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Do you, so t- could you talk a little bit about, because you do different, medi- uh, your groups in different locales. One word that came up as I was researching your work is aret, I think I'm saying that correctly, meaning mountain or remedy state. What what do you find going to the mountains can really do for people on a therapeutic level as far as the modalities that you use to help people find harmony? Yeah, so the mountains, that's a good one. That's um for me, that's the combination of earth and air because you're walking on the mountain, so you're connecting mm your electromagnetic frequencies are connecting with the earth um so not only is it good for fitness and health but you are actually connecting with the earth so this is going to help you feel more grounded um but also with the mountain depending on how high you walk or how high you climb you are raising up to be a little bit more closer to the clouds and to have a a a better viewpoint so you're rising up and above and if you're an air sign, it's great because you're like, oh, I'm in my, <laughs> my element, you know, literally. That's where it comes from. In my element, I've got a great view and I, I'm grounded at the same time. So mm. this is knowing what it is you need. For the for the Pisces, for the fish, they're like, oh, my God, get me out of here. I just want to be near the water. You know, they don't want to mm-hmm. go the mountain So, again, it's just knowing um, which elements work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also about balance too it's important to know that we do have um uh we can overdose on certain elements mm. too much fire means we're going to burn out mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah well, well so this would be a question then okay let take for example the pisces so mm-hmm. or like somebody who has a lot of water in their chart yeah would you say hey fish you gotta come out of the water and get some air right yeah yeah it it but also it's only if they're like they might be happy underwater you know they might right be, they're kind of having a groovy time mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, like, okay well 
you know, that's fine. And they might find themselves having uh, close friendships with with their air signs or with the fire signs to get the balance. Um, but I, I do think, I just think it's so interesting how we do gravitate towards towards the elements of each other. Mm. Because we, we do find that we are deficient in some things. Mm. The whole thing about the astrological wheel, and it's the same if you look at the five elements that I'm talking mm. about here, fire, earth, air, water, and wood. We have the potential to complete the cycle that's what pure harmony is pure mm. harmony in astrology or pure harmony within the five elements so if we can if we can know where our weak points are then we can try to to um embrace those and and invite that into our life um to help create the balance and just to create a um a more full spectrum i mean i think that's if we can do, if we can achieve that in our in our life, then maybe we don't have to come back and be reincarnated. Um, wow! I think that that we we're given each life, we're given opportunities to to complete complete a little bit more of the whole. Let's say, um, that's you know, this is this is what evolution is, our soul evolution. So if you start to look at it at that level, um, but also knowing that we come back in with the with the elements and the, the the signs that we need, depending on what we experienced in our previous life, in mm. order to help us in this this one. So I feel like it's all connected. It's all related. Mm. So to put that in astrological terms, especially for people who are listening who are really into astrology, you, we'd probably be looking at the North Node and the South Node. The North Node, where the point where the Moon crosses the uh, ecliptic path of the sun rising and then the south node uh, crossing the ecliptic path of the sun setting. So the north node are karmic future and south node are karmic past. So we come into this life either symbolically or literally with, you know, some of our past karma, our past baggage, and hopefully we turn it into our dharma, right? We we yeah, we hopefully we have either mastered it in past lives or we're here to kind of, we retreat to it, so hopefully it, it can nourish us, but you don't want to hang out there too much. You know, how do you, how do you see, in that sense, karma with the work that you do as far as, okay, this is, I'm looking at this client or this group of people, this is where I feel that they need to go versus, you know what, you all, I think you're wanting to hang in this spot, but that's not really going to help you karmically to move forward. Could you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah, that's a very good question, actually. Um, and, and what I've observed is um, you can really see how somebody responds to a treatment, to a, a group session, uh, kind of where they're at. And mm. some people are kind of just um, realizing that they are the master of their own destiny and that they have mm. a play. Um and maybe their energy is like, whoa, this is, I don't really know what's going on. Um, and they're kind of the early stages, if you like. And then I'll have other clients who are much on their way, who realize that in order for us to evolve as a soul, we have to do some inner work. Um, and they respond really well to the energetic treatments. Um, and... I'll talk about the energetic treatments a little bit, actually, just so your guests can understand a little bit more about that. Um, but there is a point where no matter how much we know when we're doing the inner work and we know we need to make changes, we are stuck in certain patterns. And and what I think is really important to point out is sometimes it's not about changing the pattern just in in the mind going oh i'm going to change this i'm going to do this we need to change it energetically and that's where the vibrational therapy comes in because if we're if we have um, energetic patterns going on it doesn't matter how much we say to ourselves i'm going to change it i'm going to talk about it i'm going to do this differently if the energy is still stuck in the same uh, pattern as before it's just going to keep pulling us back in so we need mm. to make the we need to work with the energetics of our body and this is why sound i believe is so powerful because it can penetrate through that's why it's called that's why i call it high vibrational sound because 
it's not about words, but it's about frequency and vibration. And it can start to go into different parts of the body, um, the physical body, but also the energetic body, which is the, you know, the etheric, the astral, the mental, the different energy bodies outside. And it can start to shift things if we are ready to let it go. It won't, stuff won't move unless we're ready. So we have to be at that point. And that's where I talk about some people are more further down the line than others, because it does mean making changes in your life. Uh, So, um, so if we're ready, it can start to move. And and this is why I work with sound, because I, I believe that for me anyway, there was things, I did a lot of psychotherapy, um, I did a lot of talking therapy and there was things I just couldn't shift. And then when I found sound, it helped me to move things in my etheric field that had been there for a long time. Mm. And the sound helped to melt away that energy that was in my field, if you like. Mm. And then I I was clearer and I could could move on to the next thing. Wow. I have two... It's ways that I want to go right now actually could you play the bell or the piece with the bell (laughs) yes and then I want to come back to also something you said master of destiny we I really need to unpack that phrase with you because that really touches on the way a lot of astrologers think about astrology or debate about astrology but go let's get the bell going or the piece with the bell I think that'd be great okay all right let me pull that up um Okay, so this track is called Magenta Rose, and it's it works on the crown. So it's nice that we we were working on the heart before. Now we've gone straight up to the top of the head. This is to do with clearing the crown. So I've used the sounds, the little bell in there, um, so you can hear that twinkly noise. And you may find it in resonance, or you may not. So keep an open mind when you're listening to it, um, and just see how how it feels to you. So I'm just going to play that for a little bit now. So yeah, there's a little insight into the bells, mm. and you can feel you can feel the spaciousness in there. Mm. Hopefully, it can take you off to some of the higher realms with those little bells. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's one. I love the bell. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think everybody else will be enjoying that too. So. Master of destiny. Wow. So there are a lot of phrases in astrology or philosophy. One I think of is that has its roots in Heraclitus, the Ionian philosopher, is that, you you know, character is destiny, that our own nature leads us to certain situations, you know, as you say, over and over again, it's it's our own nature where we are incarnated this way. But then there's another phrase, I think it comes from Alan Leo, I'm not sure, but, and um, Jeffrey Cornelius uses this a lot if you go to his website, but it's destiny is negotiable. So Mm -hmm. those are two concepts. One thing, character is destiny, that really gets into, you know, for those astrologers, no, but for people who don't know, Ptolemy and the Ptolemaic conception of astrology, which is, which goes back to about the second century that Egypt, Hellenistic Egypt, that were born at a certain moment at that, that document is kind of like a celestial 
quite faded document about who we are, our own nature. But then there's another conception that astrology is divination and that 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 chart is almost more like a piece of music that it becomes alive when you reference it and you get a different look at it each way. So you still retain the original fixed document that it is, but it only can sort of move or enlighten us when we invoke it in a certain way of conception or inception. But what you said is really something master of destiny that seems to go a step further, which says, wow, we can actually take a lot of agency, much more so than those two prior things seem to say. Or, or how, would you, how would you parse that out? Because when you said master of destiny, you know, I'm very much interested in fate and fortune and free will and all this. But, but how do you take this? Yeah, it's <laughs> another great question. I mean, you know, I really see it like, you know, the, the, astro- the astrological chart so you can meet somebody um, and they have an amazing chart. You know, there's all this incredible stuff going on, but they may not have done anything with it in their life. They may <laughs> no, carry on and, and, and you're like, oh, and then, then you have someone else who's got like some serious, you know, opposing stuff some you know, a cha- let's say a challenging chart um, and, and then have done some incredible things in their life despite the challenges despite the challenges so so that's kind of where my take is on it we, you know we, 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 we do come in I totally agree with you with a kind of set, set of cards but it's what we do with it whilst we're alive between birth and death that's really important and I and it's also empowering to think I can play a part in this with my chart with my destiny mm-hmm. um, there is, I, I agree with you, there's certain things that, for example, if you are, um, you decide that you want to be, a, you know, an incredible painter, but actually, you know, your skill set is is really not creative at all, then it's going to be difficult to, to bridge that gap to become this amazing painter. Um, it's not to say that you can't paint, anybody can paint, but if you are setting yourself as really high bar, um, so we do need to we do need to be familiar with with what our um, gifts and talents are. But I think it's really important to know that we we are empowered enough to be part of that creation process, mm. and that becomes a dialogue with um, that becomes a dialogue with with God. It becomes a dialogue with destiny. It becomes a a conversation that we are active in and activating Mm. so that's where I'm kind of coming and and um it gives me hope to think like that right and you know I think it is very realistic actually because you know we you know I always go back to D.H. Lawrence Women in Love where the character Gerald at one point says, I just wanted to force my mind on the cosmos. And he's a wealthy industrialist. And spoiler alert, if you, you know, you might want to, it's a really amazing novel, but if you want to turn down the volume, but he ends up dead on the side of a mountain. (laughs) Okay. So, and we know that there are tons of stories where kind of what you said, you know, we're, we come into this life a certain way and you really can try to defy the odds, so to speak. And maybe some people do do that, but then even still, you know, there's an old saying by Saint Avila, and it was the the title of Truman Capote's last unfinished novels. But answered prayers are far worse than those that go unanswered. So, you know, you be careful. Let's say you do. All right, I've got this chart, but you know what? I'm gonna defy it. I'm gonna make it to the top, whatever. And then, oh, what did I just do? Did I really like to, is that really maybe the best course of action? So some people can perhaps even go so far as to just this chart has nothing to do with anything and I'm going to defy it. But then is that what your soul was really seeking? So I I know. And how do we know how, how, you know, who are we to judge in a way? Um, It's, it's kind of, it's all there for the taking. Let's we're, we're we're creating this masterpiece as we're going along. Um, And there are restrictions sometimes, of course, but actually, you know, we're all given this, this, this opportunity, let's say, and, and it's whether we, we have the whether we have the inspiration to to move forward with with things 
and and trust in in trust in life that if it's right it will continue and will be rewarded for that you know lately where i've been with this and i want to get your insight about what you had said earlier that you know you were in some way prompted at to become a dj when you know you didn't even know it was happening you were recording songs and then you got into the city and you're like wow i could do this but you know the some of the words i've been reading this other book called trickster makes this world and the trickster is a huge deal in astrology i mean really mercury the ancient trickster ruling astrology or Uranus, the modern trickster, you know, ruling astrology. Although I think Neptune comes into play, it gets a little more mysterious than we can sort of control it cognitively. If you, that's a whole other uh, podcast, but this, some of the Greek words can help opportune. So part of the root of that is like portal or door or porto. And if you think of like a Portofino or something, you have to open the door for an opportunity to come in. Op, ops is optimism, the goddess Ops, who you know tried to save uh, and did save her children from uh, Rhea or Kronos. Or excuse, she she was Rhea. It was Rhea and Kronos uh, and Ops and Saturn. Mm-hmm. So the idea of tr- having the hope to save her children from you know Kronos swallowing them, but you have to have the optimism and open the door for opportunity to come in. And if you, you have to, and I feel like these things very kind of mysteriously happen that, you know, the, the cycles of the universe are going along and then we open ourselves to some sort of mystery that we can have the grace to accept it. That's what the poet Mary Oliver said. She said, you know, serendipity, chance, luck, I'll, you know, I don't need any of them. I'll have grace. So the idea of having grace to accept that which comes our way, but you have to be attuned to that. So I think in some way it's very mysterious what kind of can joyfully come into our lives. But when it does, it's like, you know what, why was I so worried about all these other things when this one wonderful, simple thing happened? And that's all that is really wonderful and unique. Yeah, it's enough. That's enough. Christians, um, which is, you know, yeah, even like even just whatever one's religious orientation is, but yeah, or okay, Dianu, that's a word, you know, I was raised Jewish, you know, it would have been enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also the idea of not worshiping false idols, you know, this idea of what, what do we really need? What really sates us on a soul level? And you're telling us sound really does. So then my next question about that would be, good lord the sound world that we live in now hopefully through a podcast like this we're speaking to the higher angels and the celestial you know harmony of the spheres for people but we're we're more inundated with sound than we've ever been probably in human history so so what what could you tell people about that as far as the sound stimulation that's coming into our world and how to handle that and maybe have some other pathways to approach sound differently and even think about sound. I mean, because I think a lot of people, they're really listening to this for the first time. You're doing some unique work with elemental resonance. Resonance, you're defining new terms for people. So a lot of people are just kind of, you know, they're just starting out maybe with this. What what would you say, you know, A, about the sound world, which we inhabit right now in modernity, and then how to maybe approach that through the type of work that you're doing on a simple level if you're just starting out. I would I would start with the wonderful quote by Nikola Tesla, who was the mm. incredible inventor, who who said, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of frequency and vibration. Mm. This man was, you know, he was a scientist, he was working with science. And obviously we're talking, you know, in most of this conversation of talking about vibration and and, and the energetic body. So I really think it's a a combination of of the two. But what what I would would urge people to think about um, or to consider is the frequency that they're inviting into their life, um, the people they're spending time with, um, the books they're reading, the food they're eating, how they're spending time, where they're looking on their computers, everything has a frequency. And to be in touch with the frequencies that resonate well and, and give you this sense of 
um, inspiration or positivity and the other frequencies and they could be in terms of people or certain foods or things that are um, creating a dissonance and to really start to be discerning about the frequencies where you spend your life um, and and to know that you can choose to to turn something up or turn it down mm. this is this is again about being the creator or the, the master of your own death <laughs> you know and this is so interesting because i think about it in my life too i only bring this up because i think it'll help but each moment is a negotiation i mean we don't think about it but um, when you come into conscious awareness, it's like, okay, do I, do I want to turn on that TV or do I want to go do some sound therapy with Tracy? You know, do I, that friend, I don't know, that person really has a negative mindset about everything. And I know if I talk to that person, that's going to get me there. And, but you know what, I was actually going to spend some time writing. I mean, that, that, that's time and the discipline of time. So, and then th this actually is another thought that I wanted to talk with you about that, you know, time is something very daily, very practical, very ritualistic, even though we might not think about it, but then also timelessness so that, you know, and astrology gets into this, the idea of certain progressions that one day can equal a year. So what do you think about just from maybe your experience, what are some great ways to think about well, okay, this this is one moment, it doesn't mean anything, but it could really flower into something another way or some techniques maybe that people can get centered with in their own daily lives and yeah. to understand, yeah, go ahead. Time is of the essence right now. I mean, look at the, look at the position of, of Saturn, you know, Saturn, the Lord Kronos, the Lord of um, time, the Lord of karma. I mean, he's very much about structure, and he's very much affecting all of us right now until it's the end. It's going to be December 2020, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so we're all being tasked to look at how we're spending our time. And I think time really is of the essence, like really be discerning on how you spend your time. Is it is it helping you to develop in the areas? Is that conversation with that person going to help um, you and them and other people? Um to, to really be um, to, to really see the preciousness of it I mean it really is a, a very very precious commodity if not our most precious commodity mm. and time flies so in but there's also the concept of timelessness like you just said where we're, we step out of it so but I do think now more than ever as as souls that have incarnate at this time during this incredible you know moment in where we are in the universe that to make it count whatever mm. that might be and uh, for some people that's standing up on stage for other people it's writing a book for other people it's tending to the flowers in the garden you know everything's relevant um but to, to think of it in terms of frequency is to cho really choose what frequency you want to be living in and who you want to be surrounding yourself with energetically, because this really has an effect um, on them and you. Uh, yeah. And I think once we start realizing that we're instruments, then we want to work with people who are um, we are in harmony with and that when we play our chords together, it sounds nice. Um, and I like to use the, uh, the visualization of if you are an instrument, like if you were a guitar, if you were going to play a song, you would always make sure that you would tune the strings before playing, because if you play the song and your guitar's out of tune, it's not going to sound so nice. So <laughs> again, what is it that we do in our lives, whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's qigong, whether it's swimming, what is it that you do that helps you to return to your natural resonance and do more of that because and if, if it helps as well to listen to sounds um to do sound harmonization sound meditations certainly the work i do is in a facilitation of that to come back to our own natural resonance that's what my work is mainly about um to find to seek the things that that help you to do that because this is some of the most important work you can do in your life um so we just need to be in tune with ourselves to 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 
make sure that conversation is we're able to hear it when it happens because if we're so busy we can get a huge sign and we'll miss it um and then yeah then the, the opportunity might go so yeah just to be in stillness sometimes and, and listen for the answers to come mm. when i guess what you're saying too it can be hard to listen when motion just keeps going in a fast modern world yeah. and you know then and also sound you know certain sounds take precedent so those sounds that could be much more helpful perhaps get drowned out yeah exactly they get they get ignored because they might be more subtle because what happens is usually the loudest sound takes precedence <laughs> right imagine like kids in the playground whoever's shouting and screaming the most everyone's like ah but, but it's not about what shouts, what is shouting and screaming the most at the moment. We need to look for the subtleties right. um, because this is where, and this is what I always say as well when I do my group sound meditations, some of the sounds are very subtle and quiet, but they can be the most profound. Mm. It's not about how loud you bang the drum. Um, and there's a lot of stuff out there in the world that is, absolutely you know vying for your attention with mm. colors with music with um the news so mm. let's look a little bit deeper than that that's what i'm kind of trying to say let's look deeper and let's listen and you that this is very personal for you because it was during your djing career that you i think you said you were just traveling everywhere all this sound it was just really hard to get your body in alignment i mean you'd have to get yourself up for a show and then mm-hmm. i mean i yeah like the <laughs> i mean i you know i guess when i was younger i danced you know some and went out to clubs and all that you know not a ton but definitely some but but yeah it's hard for me to imagine doing a ton of that now just because I just don't have the energy to do that. But it was, but it, you said it was your own personal journey that led you to transform the way that you heard sound or were going to hear it, correct? Exactly, yeah. You know what I did? It was like I, I was playing to a very big crowd on the beach in uh, Jakarta. And um, we were all on the beach and the stars were out. It was a nice indigo sky and they had all this fire. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then I just kind of switched the sound off in my mind. And I, I looked at the people on the dance floor and saw how we, we moved like a shoal of fish. You know, we were all individual, but all one at the same time. Very Piscean, huh? Like mm. The oneness, the wholeness and the individual at the same time. But um. I, I saw how how powerful sound was bringing us together, and it was the invisible language of ah. not speaking in terms of different, you know, whether it's uh, Spanish or Italian or French that that can be a barrier when we don't understand what someone's saying. But music can transcend that boundary, and then I realised I was like, I need to know how sound affects us on a deeper cellular level and that's what started my whole kind of journey into bioresonance and becoming a vibrational sound practitioner Mm. so this is very interesting because we talk about in um astrology especially more the the ancient forms of astrology we're talking about the the silent harmonies or the the harmony of the spheres that's silent i mean we're looking up at the heavens and we we don't necessarily hear that but they're speaking so how do you so it seems like silence is actually a huge part of your sound therapy. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's nice, actually, because that brings me back to a point I mentioned before. Um, because in the sessions, the one-to-one sessions I do, I'm actually using tuning forks, mm. which you cannot – it's a vibration. So I can I can tap it. You may hear a little bit of sound, but it's more about vibration, so it's not about the sound you hear in the room um so this is again that these are used on the meridian points of the body so all around the body we have the meridian lines again it's very similar to acupuncture if you if you know about acupuncture we've Mm -hmm. got um uh, a meridian line for the lung and a meridian line for the bladder and a meridian line for the small intestine so depending on what element i'm working on i will pick the tuning fork 
of the note of that particular organ. So each of the organs has a note as well and play the body like a musical instrument. So one, one, one note can activate and another one can sedate. So if something's overactive, too much fire, we'll sedate it a little bit. Something is underactive, the bladder hasn't got enough, hasn't got enough energy, we'll activate it. So, and then I can use different um, uh, different notes to create thirds and fifths on the body. Mm. Mm. This helps to activate and sedate. It's, it's very, very interesting. And you could say that's silent work because you don't hear mm. it. So I only do that in one-to-ones. I don't do that in the groups. The mm. group work, you can hear the music, but the one-to-one work, it's more of a silent. Um, but it's extremely powerful um, because you, your body is, you're tuning right into that particular vibration at the time. Mm. And it really helps people who are stressed, people who have anxiety, people who have insomnia. If you have um, a pain in your shoulder or a pain in your knee, this is where the dissonance really works. So just like choosing two notes on the piano that are next to each other, like a C and a D, um, this creates dissonance. So when you have pain in the body, if you use two forks together like this, it is jarring. So it helps to break up the Mm. body creating the pain. Mm. So this is where dissonance is really helpful. Mm. So that's, and that was my earlier question, you know, how, how do you, there's a, a play here between harmony and dissonance. Mm. There is. Yeah. This, and they, we, we can't have one without the other. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's two, two parts of the same, um, that's if you imagine it as a as a kind of it's a polarity and uh, sometimes we're in harmony and sometimes we're in dissonance and sometimes we're just you know not one or the other but we're somewhere in the middle you know mm-hmm. so you know i'm principally an astrologer but do you and but you you're quite a good astrologer yourself I and mean, we've had lots of talks and you know you're very versed in all the astrological language and lots of techniques but do you ever look at people's charts or do you, you you don't do that too much or at least have you in passing looked at charts and found things analogous to I mean we talked a little bit briefly about if somebody has a lot of water and this kind of thing but you know that this chart there are things out of alignment here's that's you know, trigger something in my mind, how I might do certain types of therapy for that person. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm not like a traditional astrologer, um, doing a, a reading that, that somebody might expect from astrology. But what I do when I look at a chart is I look at, um, what's called the music of the sky. So mm. I a little bit earlier on in the conversation about, um, seeing the dynamic between Jupiter and Mars and um, Saturn and Pluto. And I look at the position of those planets on a chart and I help with finding... So each of the planets has a note as well. Mm. Um, what I do is create like a, a music of the sky. So it's the sound of your chart. Um, and it's very, it's very simple in the sense of it's not like a, it's a meditative piece that is specifically um, related to your, your positioning, your, your planets. So for example, there might be sounds that are played very close together. If you have a whole bunch, like, you know, maybe your house two and three is like fully packed full of stuff. Mm-hmm four, five, and six is quite empty. So that would mean there's a lot of sound going on between two and three, and then we'll leave a big gap. Mm. Else. So it's it's working. So I, And I look at the asteroid and the planets. Mm. And, um, and what I help discover is the, the theme in the chart. So, for example, you may have some notes that are repeating continuously, and that becomes the kind of, let's call um, the soul sound theme of your chart which has certain sounds um like certain notes and that that's the constant if you like that that gives you the constant and then your life is just you know all sorts of things happening all the time so i I help to try and find a theme and then it's and if, if we're in the same room then obviously i i help you to to create that yourself um so that's how i work with the astrology charts so it's a little mm. 
different. And I, I was taught this from um, my teacher, Fabienne Maman. So mm. really, it's a pretty nice way to look at the astrology. Wow. And, and actually, to be quite frank, that gets back to some of the roots of astrology as well that maybe maybe have been lost in some sense because there are some astrologers who do do this but not many you know not many who really bring into sound what the chart is telling yeah mm. wow yeah. and then you and then really using that as you know a a tool a true tool to help make a better change because again you know when, when I was talking to a fellow friend colleague and he was saying one thing that um, really kind of disturbs him is that a lot of astrologers themselves will just say oh well that's my chart you know it's just the way I am <laughs> I mean <laughs> okay <laughs> like like what if you're a murderer does that or you have murderous thoughts I mean that like that's oh well that's just how I am and then I might murder somebody I mean that's not acceptable <laughs> so, so but but th this is what I, I really love this you know the master of one's destiny that just really sounds like really practicing this kind of beautiful art that we've been gifted and even on a simplistic level you know people can go get you know your cd or go to some of your videos and be like you know what okay the bell that's going to bring me to attention like you see this in some meditation circles or um there was the, the novel island by aldous huxley and they actually ring a bell to bring people to meditative attention on the island so mm -hmm. in all of the you know sort of swirling around you know in the fast pace of modernity that's maybe how some people can just on a even myself on a simplistic level okay just stop focus you know this kind of thing mm, it's a reminder yes yeah fantastic i know it's it, it's 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 very this is where it comes down to understanding that it's penetrating the physical body as well or it's vibrational so this is why it can really alert us and remind us like oh um, or take us places, you know, people mm. journeys and into all sorts of dreamlike states or back to being a child. This is how powerful it is. Different yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Well, that's about all we have time for. Is there anything you'd like to close with, Tracy? I mean, the Tracy story, uh, <laughs> tracystory.com, right? Or an elementalresonance.com. Do you, oh, right? Yeah. Actually, though, I, I should probably try and get TracyStory.com. So it's funny that you said that. I've been yeah, but well, there you go. That'll be up soon. And then YouTube, you have some great videos that, you know, I've been looking at, too, and even starting to think, OK, I got to get up and do some movement here. <laughs> so because, so, you know, the, well, the gym, you know, Corona right now, I mean, at the time of this recording, but so things are shutting down. So on my own doing some of that stuff. Um, but okay, so Elemental Resonance, anything, and then the, the album just came out. Anything else you wanted to mention? Yeah, so this month, March 2020, I'm, I'm launching my online Qigong uh, course as well. So if anyone is interested in learning Qigong, I'm um, going through the what's called Dao Yin Fa Qigong, and it works on the lung, the liver, the bladder, the spleen. I work through the organs using sound, color, and movement. So I've recorded mm videos so I'm launching that this month so if you're interested in that let me know and I can um, I'm very happy to get that out there I've been working on it for a little while and then I also do online sound meditations once a month um, mm. so I can if people are interested in that um, sometimes I do them on a full moon sometimes it's on a new moon so um, but it's every month that I do one. I've already done the, the March one, and the next one's going to be in the beginning of April. Okay. Yeah. All right, wonderful. Sounds great. So this is Dan Beck signing off from the Star Love Podcast. And remember, if you love the stars, they'll love you back. On next week's episode, we'll be featuring astrologer Anthony Lewis. We discussed everything from his first astrology encounter, courtesy of a vending machine horoscope, to his love of old-school opera singers. Thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of the Star Love Podcast. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts, and if you're interested in sponsoring a future podcast, email james at innermakeup.net.